What's up, guys? Happy Monday. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Uh, Welcome back to Kindled. I have an exciting episode for us today, and it is a conversation with Christine Yergin. We are talking all about pro-life, anti-abortion, everything in between, and we are both sharing uh, some of our personal stories uh, around this topic, so I am really excited for you to hear this. Uh, Before we get started, I want to remind you that every Friday, bonus episodes come out for our Patreon subscribers. Uh, To join Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash kindled podcast. It's $10 a month. It enables you to support this podcast and the ministry that I'm doing here. But in exchange, you actually get a bonus episode every Friday. So often it's just me and the mic. They are 30 minutes or less, so they're shorter than my regular episodes. And sometimes, like this coming Friday, I actually air portions of conversations I have with guests that do not air on Kindled. Um, If we talk really long or just cover too much for a single episode, I will bump that over into Firestarter uh, to give, you know, my Patreon community that content rather than just letting it go to waste. And so that is, Christine and I talked for an hour and a half and I could not fit it all into this episode. So if you want to hear the rest of our conversation, join us inside Patreon. The last thing I want to uh, let you know about in terms of just housekeeping is if you have not left a rating and review for Kindled, I would greatly appreciate that if you listen regularly and enjoy the show. That helps me so much to be found. Um, I am heavily, heavily shadow banned and censored on Instagram. And if you follow me, you know why. Uh, because I say a lot of things that Instagram just doesn't want me to say. And on that note, um, if you're not following me, you can find me at hayleywilliams.kindled. However, unfortunately, because of the shadow ban on Instagram, um, my name doesn't just pop up when you start when you start searching. You have to type hayleywilliams.kindled, all of it, and it's H-A-L-E-Y, before you'll see my username, before, before you see my account pop up. So, Uh, I've had people say, I can't find you. You're not there. But no, I am. You just have to type every single letter in my username or I don't show up. So there's that. Uh, So this podcast is still a really amazing way for people to find uh, kindled content and encouragement and ultimately hear the gospel. And so your rating and review is just one more way that helps me to be found. And I appreciate that so much. It takes about 60 seconds and you can hop into the podcast app, leave a star rating, and then leave a few words. Appreciate that in advance. Okay. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Christine Jurgen. All right. So today on Kindle, I'm chatting with Christine Jurgen. Christine, thank you so much for being on today. Thanks for having me, Haley. So before we get into our topic today, why don't you introduce yourself to listeners, tell them who you are and what you do. So I am Christine Jurgen. I founded Be There Village, which is a nonprofit. Um, actually, I'm working on getting it to be a nonprofit. It's been mostly social media right now, and we help women in unplanned pregnancies. I am a mother of three. I guess I should have said that first and foremost because they're my most prized possessions. And um, I do social media for fun and for money. I guess <laughs> that's awesome. Wait for like for clients. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I have brands that I work with and, um, typically they're brands that align with my values. I don't work with a lot of brands that don't align with my values because I'm so outspoken about them. Um, but they will pay me to promote their brand product, this, that, and the other. You're an influencer. (laughs) I don't like that. I know. Don't you hate that term? I hate that term. I know. Well, everybody's an influencer. I mean, so true. Your neighbor's an influencer. You don't have to have social media followers to be an influencer. 
that that's an episode in and of itself. The fact that really everyone has influence. It's just a matter of who you're influencing. Absolutely. Um, so we'll do that for our next episode. Uh, but you are here to talk about the pro-life cause. And um, I know that that has very personal roots for you. So um, why are you involved in that movement? Why are you pro-life? Where does that story begin for you? So uh, when I was young and dumb, as we all once were, <laughs> um, I wasn't necessarily living right. I grew up in a Christian household. I grew up um, knowing that abortion was wrong, that you don't have sex outside of marriage. I knew all of those things. Mm-hmm. I did not necessarily walk those things out. And I found myself in an unplanned pregnancy. I took, went and took the plan B pill, bought the plan B pill. Um, at the time it was two pills. I'm not sure if it's still the same, mm-hmm. uh, took a pill and kind of freaked out. I was like, did I just abort my child? If I am pregnant, like I, obviously I don't know if I am, it's the morning after and I'm, I'm freaking out. So I took the pill, um, panicked, called the 800 number on the back of the box and talked to them, asked them what, what I just did. If I am pregnant, is my child now going to have like one arm? And like, I just didn't know. I was so naive to everything, um, related to plan B or abortion or babies or pregnancy or whatever. So, um, she gave me an answer that I was not satisfied with. I didn't think that she gave me the full honest truth. So I just took the second pill and I threw it out the window, like an old beat up silver Honda cord, threw it out the window, kept driving, kind of forgot about it. Um, and went on with my day, the coming weeks. And then I started sleeping in one. Well, quite frequently started sleeping in. I used to be a nanny. So I was up early all the time. And my mom showed up at my apartment with multiple pregnancy tests. She like has them in her arm and she's like, take them. I'm like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? No, I'm not taking these. She's like, no, you need to take them. You've been sleeping a lot. And I think something's up. Um, so I took them and there was a really faint pink line. And I was like, no, there's no way. Um, it's probably wrong. And she's like, no, I, I think they're wrong when they say you're not pregnant and you mm-hmm. are like, usually you don't get a false positive because right. hormone that's only there when you're pregnant. So she cried. I cried. Um, she had had an unplanned pregnancy with me. And, mm-hmm. um, so I, and I was 20 at the time I was very young in school and I debated. I never really went to the thoughts of abortion. I mean, when you're, when you're pregnant and unplanned pregnancy, I think you always think about everything. Even if you're not considering abortion, everything crosses your mind. You're thinking about everything. I considered adoption. Um, I talked to my son's father and he was not really on board with me keeping the baby and asked me to have an abortion. And I said, no, and we didn't talk for quite some time. And then he contacted me later and he said, if you'll have the abortion, I'll give you $50,000. And I told him, you can take that money and shove it where the sun don't shine Wow, in, in not so nice terms, to be honest. Wow. Um, but it was something that I didn't know how strong my pro-life values were until I really was like forced to walk it out. And I think a lot yeah. of people don't necessarily know how strong their values are. It is, it's easy to say you're something until you put in those shoes and you're like, oh my gosh, like now mm-hmm. what? This is actually really scary. And I know yeah. what girls face and, and all the emotions that they feel. So I told him no. And I had my son and it's such a beautiful story because his dad eventually came around and, you know, thanked me for having him. And he's a, he's a wonderful, 
involved father now. And so I definitely want to put that out there. You know, we were both young and dumb. He was advised by people who were not, didn't have his best interest at heart or my sons, obviously. And, um, so I had my son and I've always felt called to the pro-life movement after that, but I just dragged my feet because I know how nasty the other side can be and how Mm -hmm. controversial it can be. And I just didn't want to put myself in that. I didn't want to I didn't want other people not to like me. I wanted people like me. I didn't want to start fights. I didn't want to deal with that. Right. So I just kind of like, I really dragged my feet and dragged my feet. And then eventually I went to this, um, kind of a mini conference and God kind of plopped me down. It's a crazy story how I got there. That's a totally different story, but it was one of those things where it's like, okay, God, I hear you. Like it's Mm -hmm. time. Um, if I am not loud and proud and bold with all of my beliefs, how can I expect my children to be you know, to, to really be strong in what they believe. If I'm not walking it out and showing others, mm-hmm. how do I expect them to do that? Wow. So I just kind of the last, I'd say it's been like the last year and a half that I've really just started getting a lot more loud and bold and diving in wherever I really can. Wow. That is just so amazing. I love your story and I don't, I've never heard the whole thing. So some of that was new for me. Um, I don't share all of that often. It's, yeah. it's tough. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it, it's hard to share because Noah and his dad have a wonderful, beautiful relationship now and yeah. that oh, everyone sure. to paint his dad yeah. in a negative light. So I don't, I typically don't share that often, but I think it's such a powerful and big part of my story, mm-hmm. um, that I have felt called to share it a little bit more lately. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I think that that is, um, admirable. And I get why that would be hard. And you would feel like, I don't know, should I say that? Um, and I don't know if you even know this, but actually that's part of my story too. I also took plan B, Mm. um, before, you know, back in college and I was probably about the same age. No, I think I was maybe 18. Um, and it did not result in a pregnancy. I don't, I, I think that when I took it, it was maybe one pill. I don't know if, I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure I only took one pill and I think that it was probably over precautionary. Like, I don't, I don't think there was a a likelihood that I was pregnant, but I guess I'll never know. You know, I I can't guarantee obviously anything. And, um, and I, but I remember being in that decision point of the same way as you having grown up in a Christian home knew beyond a shadow of a doubt what was right. I knew it was wrong. It wasn't like, I'm not sure. Or it wasn't, it wasn't even like, I was like, this is my right. Like, no, I knew what I was doing. I knew it was wrong. Um, all of it. And I knew that, that I felt guilt about that, but I also remember the feeling of, I cannot do that. I cannot have a child. I cannot ruin my life. All the things, all the lies that come in your head that you tell yourself would be the reason why, you know, it's what the world says. It's like, it'll, it'll ruin your career. You'll never have a job. You'll, you'll just be unsuccessful in life. Like it'll just going to mess everything up. And you believe that at that age, cause your, your brain is not developed. You don't understand anything different. Um, and I mean, you're obviously very impressionable. And so I remember being in that position too. And, and so I have a lot of empathy and grace for women who are in that spot where I was, cause I know what it felt like. And yeah. I know the choice that I made, which for me, I, I had a realization that like me making that choice is the same as someone getting an abortion. It's the yeah. same thing. Like I can't approach this issue from a position of, Oh, I would never, because I actually know I would. And I, and I did, you know? And so it's like, we kind of have 
some understanding and grace for women that are in that spot. Not that it ever justifies that choice, but we understand what it feels like to be there. You know, would you agree? Absolutely. And I think grace is such an important thing for us to have. And I think in the pro-life movement in general, you see so many different types of people. You see the people who are, you know, loving and caring and they just want to help. And then you see people who are like, you're a murderer, you're this, you're that. And, and I'm like, no, I know what it likes to be there. Or I know what it's like to be there. I know, I know the, the feelings, the emotions, the, the fear that they're experiencing, the sadness, the just uncertainty. Um, and they truly just need somebody to be there for them. And, and having that grace is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, because like you said, we've both been there. I mean, I took it and I did throw the other pill out the window. Um, and, and a lot of people don't know that plan B in general is an abortifacient, um, which I later learned. I didn't know at the time I had no idea what I was doing. I just of knew, of course, cause they market it that way. Exactly. You know? I just, I, that's what people did. That's all yeah. I knew. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know anything about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't think that we should look at women in that way of like, you know, they're doing something maliciously mm-hmm. because a lot yeah. of times people just don't know, um, yeah. even if they are pro-life, you know, yeah, they just, for sure. I went through, um, as part of my kind of healing, I went through this program called if not for grace, that was, um, I think it was 10 weeks if I remember correctly. And it was like just curriculum that kind of walked you through kind of facing what your situation was. And and I think I was the first person to ever walk through it that had taken plan B and not had an actual abortion, you know, medical surgical abortion, I should say. Um, and I remember one of the chapters in the book that was by a woman who had a surgical abortion. She said, people don't choose abortion like they choose an ice cream flavor. Yeah. It's more like an animal is caught in a trap and it gnaws off its own leg because it knows that's the only way it can survive, or it believes that's the only way it can survive. That's more what we're talking about. It's not like, it's not like, oh, I think, you know, and, and we see that projected in celebrity culture in Hollywood. We see people like Miley Cyrus or other celebrities like glorifying and glamorizing abortion. But that is not how most abortions really probably come to pass. That's not really the attitude or the feeling that most women who have them probably have is this like glorification and, and you know, I this is my right. It's more of a a desperation. Uh, I don't, I don't think I have any other options. I can't whatever have this child or have, have another child or raise this child alone or whatever it might be in an abusive marriage or an abusive relationship. And, and people are in this, like between a rock and a hard place, you know, is that what you have found? Yeah. You know, there certainly are the people who do know what they're doing. Um, there certainly are people who've had multiple abortions and they've just Mm -hmm. suppressed all of that so far down. Um, and they're kind of numb to it. And just because you don't regret it immediately doesn't mean you won't regret it later. I think that's what a lot of people are like, well, I don't regret it. It's not a big deal. It's this, right. it's that. Um, and that's not always the case just because you don't regret it the next day or six months later or two years later, doesn't mean you're not going to regret it five years later or 10 years mm-hmm. later. I've had women in their seventies and eighties tell me that they regret it. So there's certainly people who know what they're doing, but I would say the majority of people don't really know what they're doing and they're doing it because they feel backed into a corner. Yeah. And my thing is, why don't we help them get out of that corner so they don't have to make a decision they feel forced to make opposed to saying, hey, you make that decision and then go back to your crappy corner that you were in, yeah. whether that's uh, an abusive marriage, like you said, whether that's poverty, whether that's not having uh, housing, what you know, whatever the circumstances are, mm-hmm. the abortion industry basically says, oh, hey, let's 
give us your money. We'll take care of it for you. And then go back to your awful situation. Whereas we say, Hey, let's lift you out of that situation. So you don't have to make a decision that you, you feel forced into making. And often we see that the women don't even know what that decision truly is because the abortion industry manipulates women and lies to women. And, um, you know, it's just a clump of cells or it's not even a baby yet, or there's no heartbeat. And, and all of the lies that we hear that manipulate women, to basically line the pockets of the abortion industry. I want to take a second to let you know about one of our sponsors, and that is Brave and Courageous Company. Now, I'm about to blow your mind because this company makes coconut wax candles. These candles are incredible. Not just saying that, they smell so good. Uh, They're hand poured, they're clean burning, and made of coconut wax. They thoughtfully source premium fragrance oils, and each scent is paired with a specific scripture to help aid you in memorizing God's word. I have to tell you that I'm actually sitting here smelling their products, smelling these candles, and it literally feels like fall just popped out of the box. I am delighted because I'm totally in the fall mood. I just decorated last night. So I cannot wait to be burning all of these candles all fall long. Check them out at braveandcourageous.com. And follow them on Instagram at Brave and Courageous Company. And when you use the coupon code Kindled, you will save 20% off your first order. The packaging is also beautiful, so they would make a great gift, but um, you can also buy a gift for yourself, and candles are some of my favorites. Go to braveandcourageous.com today. Right. Right, which I think like this audience might not. <laughs> That might be a surprise to them to hear that a lot of people don't understand what it is. They don't know what they're doing, like you just said. And for someone that is, you know, maybe college educated, who is even in such a position to be listening to a podcast or, you know, consuming this type of information, like you're not the person who would maybe have that perspective. Like, and and I'm not saying you, a listener couldn't have had an abortion or been in that situation, but you may have known, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people, there has been such misinformation and such uh, such propaganda around abortion for the reasons that we will talk about that, uh, that really people just don't know. And that's why information, you know, education around this topic is so important because I think that we, like you share all the time, those live action, uh, you know, change their mind videos where like people go on the street and they actually just talk to a person and they, they actually like tell them what is really, you know, what is really taking place in an abortion. And they really, they're really have they, they're faced with the reality of it and just the, the practical nature of what is going on. And of course you see them, you know, their reaction to that, like nobody wants to hear about it or really even think about it. Yeah. And a lot of times they have their mind changed because they just didn't realize, which is always mm-hmm. shocking to me. I'm like, how did you not know? What did you think was happening? Well, even pro-life know. people who are opposed to abortion, a lot of them don't even know how abortions are performed. They know I'm against abortion and it's killing a baby, but they don't know how they're performed a lot of times. They don't know um, even the stage of where there's a heartbeat. They'll say that, you know, well, before the heartbeat or after the heartbeat or this and that. And pe- a lot of people don't know that the heartbeat starts at 21 days. Some scientists even say 19 days. And that's before a woman even knows that she's pregnant. Um, so I think even the people who know that abortion is wrong, sometimes some people do, um, but a lot of people don't know the processes and what it actually looks like. And when they see it, they're like, oh my gosh, I had, I mean, I knew what abortion was in theory, but I didn't know how it was actually 
practiced or performed or committed, I like to say, because you're basically killing a baby. Um, right. Basically you are. Um, so I think some people, it's, I think we need to, and like you said, with the live action videos, we kind of need to educate ourselves. and anybody who hasn't seen those, it's, um, I think live action has them at um, abortionprocedures.com and you mm-hmm. can go see how they're performed. They're all like animated. So you're not watching an actual, right. you know, gory graphic an abortion. Um, they're animated. So everybody can watch them see how they're performed and kind of educate themselves on what the, what stage of the baby is in and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. I can link that in the show notes too. So you can just click over easily. Um, so that was, that was kind of your start. You knew that you were called to get involved in the pro-life cause. Um, and then, so tell people what you actually do with your ministry, um, and, and how that actually works. Yeah. So it kind of started, I'll do like a, a small little backtrack on social media. When I started my platform, I was a mom blogger. I didn't talk about anything controversial. I talked about vacuums and onesies and mm-hmm. band-aid and you know, whatever, um, and worked with brands like that. And, um, I loved what I did and I made money and it was great and it was fun and I got free products, but eventually it became very unfulfilling. It was like, this is fun. And I have tons of boxes in my house of stuff that brands are sending me. And I love this, but at the same time, like, what am I really doing? Like, Mm-hmm. I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so I eventually started kind of sharing more and more about my beliefs and being a little bit more vocal and saying like, Hey, well, for everybody who didn't know where I stand now, you know, where I stand. Um, and someone messaged me randomly on Instagram. I didn't even know she was following me. And she was like, Hey, I don't know if you'll ever see this, but I just want you to know that one of the pro-life posts that you made, um, caused me to cancel my abortion appointment. I scheduled an abortion. She's like, I, I've been pro-life and I scheduled an abortion because she had already had a son. This was at the very beginning of COVID in 2020. She had a boyfriend. They weren't quite married yet, living with her parents because they had both lost jobs. She didn't know how she was going to have another one. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I prayed to God. The morning of the abortion was just like, God help me. Like, that's all she prayed was just God help me. And she opened Instagram and apparently there was my post and that encouraged her to cancel the abortion. And I was like, completely shocked and humbled and was like, oh my gosh, like, I, you don't know who your posts are touching, um, or encouraging or helping or teaching unless somebody reaches out to you or tells you, and you don't, people don't always do that. And so she reached out to me and I was so blessed by that. I was like, I wonder if my followers would help me bless her. And so I like did a little Instagram story thing was like, Hey, will you guys, like if we do a baby registry for this woman who canceled her abortion appointment, would you guys help? And they said, yes, mm-hmm. I posted a registry and it filled within 24 hours, like everything she needed, stroller, car seat. Um, she already had a crib because she had a kid prior, um, diapers and wipes for a year, clothes, wow. bottles. I mean, pretty much anything you could think of that you need right away, baby bath. Um, and then it became like a thing. I had followers who were like, Hey, let's do that again. Or Hey, do you have any other women we could help? And I was like, well, how do I find these people? I can't just go like pluck them off the street. Right. And, um, I mean, I wish I could, but, um, I started partnering with pregnancy resource centers and kind of told them what my heart was. And that I wanted to help women who were abortion minded, but Mm -hmm. changed their mind and chose life. And of those women, the ones who need the help 
um, financial help the most, mm-hmm. uh, because I'm sure if somebody's, you know, making $200,000 a year and was abortion minded, they could probably afford it. But somebody who's working two jobs and already has three kids might need a little bit more help. Right. Um, so it just kind of turned into this thing where my followers are like, I want to do more. I want to do more. And it's kind of funny. It's like, I, I feel like they almost get this, like, high from it. Like we want to help these women. And it's so fun to see this like pro-life army back behind these women. And people say, you know, the pro-life movement doesn't do anything. And I'm like, uh, no, they get mad at me when they, the registry fills before they can buy something like, Hey, add something else. Or can I do a gift card? Or can I send more diapers or what else Mm -hmm. can I give her? Can I bless her with, you know, books or this or that, or classes or food? I mean, so unbelievable how much people want to help. And these mm-hmm. people do it thanklessly. They never yeah. meet the woman. They never meet the baby. Right. They don't even, I mean, you know, I might get it like a thank you note. That's like a generic one for everybody that says thank you to everybody. And mm-hmm. sometimes I'll post that, but otherwise they don't, they don't see her. They don't meet her. They don't get to hug her neck. Right. They don't, they don't get anything from it. They're just blessing a complete stranger because they care. And it's the most beautiful thing. And because so many women have been like wanting to give more and more and more and like, how do I donate monthly? I was like, you know what? I just need to turn this into a legit nonprofit and not have it be just social media. Let's make this a movement. As long as you guys want to keep helping women, I'll keep finding women to help. And that's kind of how it steamrolled into something bigger than what it was. Yeah, man, that is so cool. I love I love that you actually took action on that and just, you were like, let's do a nonprofit. Like what, why not? Um, that's incredible. I mean, the, like you said, I think that that is kind of what we hear is like the pro we, we hear this a lot. We heard this a lot in, um, you know, the last year, even specifically just because of course with COVID, everything has been brought up, but we heard the, um, the trope, you know, you just care about, um, you just care about the baby being born. You don't care about taking care of it once it's in, you know, once it's in the world, uh, mm-hmm. you just don't want babies to be killed, but you don't actually want them to live a good life. You don't, you know, because if you're, if you're conservative and if you don't believe in a welfare state, then somehow that means you hate people and you hate babies, you know? Um, but what you said, just evidenced, uh, evidence that to the opposite, uh, what, you know, what do you say when someone says that to you? I know you get a lot of pushback on social media and such, but what do you say? What do you say? The the thing that they love to throw at you is you're just pro-birth. And I'm like, well, yeah, I am pro-birth. I mean, what is the opposite of pro-birth, pro-death? You want to, you want to kill the babies? Like, of course I'm pro-birth. That's not an, that's not an insult. And I think that's something that people hear it and they're like, Oh, I'm not just pro-birth. Like I want to help the women. I want to help the babies. I want to do all of these other things. And, And yes, that can be true, but yeah, we are pro-birth. We're anti-abortion. Those are not offensive things to say. I am anti-abortion and I'm proud of that. I am pro-birth and I am proud of that. I'm not pro-forced birth. You know, I'm not, um, abortion technically is forced birth. You're giving birth to that baby. It's just giving birth to a dead baby. Mm. I think that's something that's very heavy to hear. And you're like, Whoa, that's, that's a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's the truth. Yeah. Um, so I'm pro natural birth. That's what happens when you get pregnant. You, I mean, obviously there's instances of miscarriage that are very unfortunate, but the natural process is that you have a baby Yeah. and an abortion, you force that baby out. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think first and foremost, that's something that we need to realize pro birth is not a bad thing, but when we see the pro-life movement, 
we do a lot. There's 2,500, I believe it's 2,500 pregnancy resource centers. We, the, of those resource centers, they offer free medical care. They offer parenting classes. They offer um, scholarships for school, daycare while you're in school, daycare while you're finding work, um, legal counseling, parenting counseling, marriage counseling, uh, clothes, diapers, wipes, all the things in registries. Uh, sometimes you can find cars, housing assistance, groceries. I mean, literally- right all we do is give and we get nothing in return. I mean, obviously I find fulfillment in it and happiness. I love helping people and I do get joy from that, but I don't get paid to help women. Nobody's paying me to, to do what I do with these women. And that's the case for a lot of pro-lifers. A lot of times we're giving of our own money and our own resources and get nothing in return just because we care. Whereas you see the abortion industry takes money from you and doesn't truly actually help you. But this idea that pro-life people don't help is utterly false. It is the most ridiculous lie I have ever heard. And of mm-hmm. course they throw all of the what ifs or what about this or what about this? And it's, well, no, we're opposed to abortion. We don't have to fix every other world problem to be right. Um, anti-abortion. So true. I want to tell you about our second sponsor of today's episode, and that is Conviction Co., You guys have seen me wear my Conviction Co. stuff. I love their products. They have some of the greatest messaging I've ever seen on shirts. Uh, They're really my favorites. So I have the Make America Florida. I have their new USA 1776 sweatshirt. Their Raising Disciples t-shirt. But what I love most about this company is the fact that they boldly speak biblical truth into a world that so desperately needs it right now. If you don't know how or where to start when it comes to fighting against all the lies our culture is facing, they want to help make it as simple as buying a tea to inspire both you and others to stand up for truth. Visit their shop at convictionco.etsy.com to purchase their products or follow along on Instagram at convictionco to see their newest items, promos, and giveaways. And listeners can use the code KINDLED for 10% off all of their apparel purchases. Guys, that's a great deal. 10% off with the code KINDLED. Every Uh, other ministry or not even ministry, but like every other, you know, um, nonprofit, just for example, like secular nonprofits, like nobody looks at them and is like, well, why aren't you solving this problem? You must not care about that. It's like, no, we, we all aren't called to do every single thing. We, we like, you have a limited bandwidth and actually effectiveness. If you, if you care about people would show you that you actually have to major in a certain area, a niche, you can't do it all. You have to have a niche yeah. and you well, have to focus you, in. You wouldn't do anything successfully or well if you yeah. had your hand in too many things. You know, right. you can only do one, two, maybe three things well and focus yeah. on those. But if you try to fix all of the world's problems, you're never going to get anywhere because you're going to be stretched so, so thin. And that's and just I, a total straw man, I think. Kristen Hawkins, who uh, is the president of Students for Life, she always says, you know, you don't get mad at the uh, Diabetes Association for not curing cancer or mm-hmm. vice versa, the Cancer right. Association for not curing diabetes. I mean, everybody has their focus and, yeah. and that's a good thing. Yeah. So true. Right. And again, why would we talk about the welfare state if there wasn't people to take care of the people have to be born first? You know, we, right. we can't even deal with how that person lives if we, if we don't have a person that has been born. So just it's the idea of like, well, you don't care about how they're living after they're born. No, we do, but we want them to actually have a chance to even right. be born. And we right. don't believe we reject the notion that, well, if they're not going to have, you know, a good life, which is 
what qualified by whatever you say is a good life, that it's not even worth living. Well, that's not your choice to make. Like we, we obviously know our reason for that is a biblical worldview that God is the author of life and we don't have the authority to take life. Only God does. So we don't get to decide who lives and who dies. You know, it's just like, but this is the idea. You care about feeding a baby or the kids at the border or kids in foster care. If your answer to those problems is killing them. You don't genuinely care about doing all of those things and helping all of those people. If your answer is to dismember them within the womb, that's not an answer. You don't, you didn't care in the first place. And oftentimes these people who throw these arguments at you are doing nothing for the kids at the border or foster care, all of these other things that they like to throw at you and say, what about, what are you doing about this? Or what about this? Or what if, what if, what if they're often not lifting a finger, so they don't have any room to even say anything to you. And you don't have to fix all of those problems to be opposed to murder. I'm opposed to child abuse. I'm opposed to robbery. I'm I'm opposed to Mm -hmm. murder in general. I'm not doing something about all of those things. I can care about multiple causes and not lift a finger for them and have the one cause that, you know, really gets me going. And I'm passionate Mm -hmm. about and do something for that cause we can do very few things well, and we should yeah. focus. On and there's those. no conflict there. There's not, that's not, you know, you're not disingenuous because you're not lifting a finger on every issue. That's ridiculous. Absolutely. Yeah. There's just so many, you know, I think that's what is so frustrating and, and, but also revealing about this topic is that there are so many ridiculous arguments around this conversation that are made. And I think that points to the fact that people know that it's wrong. Like I, I refuse to believe that every single person who glorifies, glamorizes abortion, even the celebrities who are out there flaunting and saying, I love my abortion and I would have seven more. Like I refuse to believe, like, I know that there are obviously darkened hearts and and people can become super numb to, you know, they can desensitize their own conscience, but that, that desensitization happened at some point. Like maybe it was the first time, maybe it was the second, maybe it was the third, um, I, I know because God's word says that his law is written on the hearts of men, that people know they just inherently know it's wrong. Otherwise they wouldn't be arguing that it's right. So it's like the fact that they're making these ridiculous, crazy arguments reveals the weakness of their position, you know, because it, they, they don't really come from a strong, there's no science behind it. It's not like they're on the side of science and we're the religious freaks. Like, no, they're actually the religious freaks. They're just pagans. Their religion is, is a pagan religion of child sacrifice. Like Mm -hmm. they're sacrificing children to Moloch, Moloch or Moloch or whatever it was in the old Testament that God forbid his people from participating in. It's the exact same thing today. It's child sacrifice, but it's called healthcare. It's called my body, my choice. It's called a woman's right to choose. It just has a different name, but it's the exact same thing. And they have to use those euphemisms to make themselves feel better about it because they know that it's wrong. Right. And it's, it's ultimately all a distraction. The, my body, my choice, the, you know, what about foster care? What about this? What about that? All of that is a distraction. So they don't have to talk about what abortion actually is, what it actually does to the baby and to the mother, because it harms the mother too. I mean, her, her, um, uh, chances of depression go up, her chances of alcohol abuse, drug abuse go up. Um, all of these suicide chances of suicide go up, I think 155%. It's massive. The harm that it causes, not only the baby, but also the mother and can potentially prevent her from having pregnancies in the future as well. I, they, they can't talk about that because they know we're right. So they have to distract us in all of these other ways. Yeah. 
to even feel like they're getting their point across or to make themselves feel better and kind of sugarcoat it. So they feel okay. Arguing it. Mm -hmm. It's a sideshow for sure. Yeah. Like you said, distraction, distracting from the main, the main attraction, which is you're murdering a baby. You're murdering a helpless human being who has no voice has cannot speak for itself. Cannot say, I would like to live. You know, you, you are, you, there, there is, there's just really no human argument that could, um, that could counter that reality. And, and I think they know that. And that's why they're just like scrambling and scrounging for anything they can get. And even Um, people who, like you said, we're on the side of science. They're not right. Uh, We have science on our side, but even people who aren't religious or even people who are atheists, I feel like this is, there is a a pro-life atheist movement, which is very interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would think to me, logically, of course, I, I think a little more logically than emotionally, but logically, if you are an atheist and you get one and only life, one life, and that's it, who are you to take that life away? Right. You know, like you would think as an atheist, yeah. these people who don't have religion on their side would still be pro-life. And, and some of them actually are, not all of them. Um, but it's just so interesting to me the way people try to mm-hmm. kind of just make themselves feel better about yeah. what abortion actually is. Yeah. That is an interesting thing. Cause yeah, atheists are materialists because they like, everything is just material. Like we are just a body. We just live in this world. We're not like a soul or a spirit. I mean, I don't know if they believe that, but they definitely don't believe in a God. They don't believe that yeah, we're going to spend life. eternity anywhere. Yeah. And so they're very materialistic in that sense. Like what you see is what you get. And I could right. see that how, depending on how you classify and kind of categorize what you value, like if you just value like each person getting to live their best life then I could see how that could make you pro-life. But if you mm-hmm. on the other side of that are like super just selfish and like, I want to live my, if, if you assert your yeah. own rights over the, over everybody else, then that could cause you to yeah. not be pro-life, you know? Yeah. But ultimately science is on yeah. our side. And I oh, think that's sure. the thing that they, they say that we're science deniers or we're the, uh, we're, we don't know the science or, you know, the clump right. of cells argument right. that you always hear, but truly science is on our side and yes. it's, 96% of scientists or biologists agree, um, that life begins at conception, all of these things, science is on our side and it's, um, something that they like to throw on our face and they just really don't know what they're talking about. Right. And I guess now, you know, after the year and a half, 18 months, like, man, we're going on now multiple years that we've had of this, this COVID insanity, <laughs> I would say I actually don't, I'm not, I'm not on the side of the science, because what I've learned is that the science is whatever you believe it's your propaganda machine. And so the science is that life, you know, doesn't begin at conception that babies are just clumps of cells. Like that's what the the science says. And so, yes, you're right. I don't believe in the science. I believe in science. (laughs) Like, and and also science isn't God. Cause sometimes I think what we actually got caught, we get caught up in these arguments that are worldly arguments where it's like, I don't need to be arguing the science with you. I know what a life is and I know that God values life. And I know he says, do not kill. And that's pretty much all I need to know about being pro-life. Like that is where it begins and ends for me. And there's a bunch in between. And of course we know that it's rooted in biology and, you know, physical realities. And like you said, like that is all on our side because we live with our eyes open to the world around us and we see things as they really are as believers. And so we know like that is, that is a soul. That is someone that God created divinely, regardless of how it came to be in the circumstances that may not be what we like to see in a picture perfect, you know, Americanized version of reality. It's still valuable. It still has inherent worth and dignity and it deserves to live. And, and just because God said so. 
Yeah. That's You're right. Science these days is, can be manipulated and bought and it's right. really people just make science, whatever they want it to be. Especially we see it with COVID. We see it with all kinds of other things. We see it with abortion. We see it with Planned Parenthood in um, sex education and schools. They say they they did a little cartoon um, graphic uh, illustration. I don't know what you, a little video that they put in sex ed classes. And they said that a 12 week baby, they're showing like kind of how an abortion was performed. It was like just a tiny little circle coming out of the fallopian tube and like, you know, coming out as an abortion, like just a little dot at 12 weeks. And we know that that's not science. We know that it, there's a baby with a head, arms, legs, toes, hair starting to form, um, all of these things. And, and their science is that it's just this little blob coming out. And often that, A, it's not true. It's just a flat out lie. But often those, that's where they harm women and that a woman takes the abortion pill or has these things and they don't realize, Mm -hmm. especially with the pill, you see a baby come out. If you don't just let everything go into the toilet and flush it off and and women who've had miscarriages, you can just Google or search uh, eight week miscarriage, nine week miscarriage. And those things come up. Oftentimes when you put the word abortion in, things are kind of hidden because Google censors mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that there's a baby there and these women are shocked to find out because they were told it was just a clump of cells. They were told that there was no baby, uh, but that's what they show in sex ed these days is just this little animated video of like a little blob coming down. And mm-hmm. that's that there was no baby to begin with. And so you didn't kill a baby. Um, right. That's how they manipulate science and lie to, to these young girls. And, and that's again, to kind of circle back to where we were before, that's why a lot of girls don't necessarily know what they're doing because they have been lied to, which is why we as parents and friends and role models and grandparents and aunts and uncles need to talk to them about this stuff. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to have the sex conversation. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to talk about abortion, but if you don't teach them, somebody else will. Right. And that might be Planned Parenthood. That might be their friend that learned from Planned Parenthood. So we need to tell them what is right and what is true. So they don't go believing that little, you know, mm-hmm. clump of cells argument. Yeah. And that's something I, I didn't even write it up in our, my questions for you, but I mean, I know we both have girls, you have two and I have three and I know, you know, that it's very important to me that my girls know the truth. They know um, what abortion is. They know what the plan B pill is. They know what all of that is like earlier than I probably want them to. I mean, they're seven and five, so we're not there yet, but like, I, I want that conversation to happen as early as it reasonably should, because like you said, someone's going to teach them and I want them to have the truth. I want, I want to be in control of the narrative um, and to, you know, the indoctrination, if you will, like that's, that's only negative when it's, you're indoctrinating them with a lie. Like we of course want to indoctrinate our children with truth because that's our job. And, um, and I know that for me, like I, I had a, a weak grasp on the gospel when I was in that position, I kind of did not see a way back from, the choice I had made, which I knew was sin, I knew it was the wrong choice, but it had put me in a situation where I was facing another choice that I didn't want to make. And I I was that animal in the vice with the leg cut. And you're like, I hate this. You know, this is a terrible position to be in, but I have to chew my own leg off. You know, that's what it felt like. I remember. And, um, and what I had a weak grasp on was the gospel of like, there is a path back to a right standing and right relationship with God. And it's Jesus Christ. That's yep. the way back. It's not moralism. It's not 
undoing what you did. You can't do that. Like there is the only answer for the problem that you're in. The, the, the true, the true issue is like, well, at least for me and for anyone that is maybe comes into that situation with like this, all of the, the Christian information, the biblical knowledge, the awareness that it's wrong. The answer is Jesus is like, he's the pathway back. You do not have to, you do not have to work your way. You don't have to earn your way. Like you can't, you're not, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to make enough right decisions um, in a row for God to, for you to be right before God. The Bible actually says that your righteousness is as filthy rags. And so the gospel says that Jesus did that for us. He, where we failed, like he was perfect. And if we believe in him as our savior, we don't have to live under condemnation, even though we know we've made wrong decisions, even though we've taken plan B or had a surgical abortion, like we don't have to live under the condemnation of our sin because Jesus died and took that upon himself so that we could live in freedom and, and hope. Um, so I just, I, I know for me that that's like a very, you know, important reality. I want, I want to have that conversation with my girls and, and not in a sense to free them to go make whatever choice, you know, like I'm not trying to free them to go make the wrong choice and, you know, Oh, sleep with your boyfriend. Don't worry about it. Like, that's not what I'm saying, but I also need them to know that if you find yourself in this position, here's what's true, you know? And there, there, that it's such a good point. And I'm such a testament to that. And for me, I don't think it was so much, you know, cause I grew up in church and I knew that God would forgive me. And I knew that God's grace is so big. There's no sin too big that he wouldn't forgive. I knew all of those things. My concern was more with what other people might think of me. Like, what is, what are every, what's everybody else going to say? I haven't finished school. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I, um, I knew what I did was wrong and I knew that I needed forgiveness and I knew that I shouldn't have had sex outside of marriage. I knew all of these things and I knew that, um, I knew I would be forgiven, but I was so scared of everybody else and even people inside the church, what they were going to think, what they were going to say. Um, and I think that's something that uh, we could do better on is mm-hmm. showing those people grace, like is helping a pregnant woman in an unplanned pregnancy, um, condoning premarital sex. No, it's not, but the baby's already there. And right. at that point we need to extend love and grace to yeah. her and let her know that we will be there for her. You know, I mean, God's already forgiven her. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah. If she's asking for, or asked for forgiveness, you know, God's already forgiven her and that's between them, but we need to be the hands and feet and let her know that we love you. We love your baby. You do not have to go to have an abortion. We need to talk about abortion in the church. We need to, mm-hmm. um, be there for these women. Cause I was so scared of what everybody else was going to think. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me was, um, something that I had trouble coming to terms with And of course I eventually did. Obviously I have a, a son now, but, um, yeah, totally. I, I, I remember can... feeling the same way. Yeah. yeah. That it's was, that was the scariest not part. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. But and, you, and... What, what's funny is that you don't realize, of course there's people who are unaccepting, but, um, a lot of times there's a lot of people who will be there for you. And like I've said with the pro-life army behind me that helps all of these women, there are people who are willing to help you. It just, there's that uncomfortable little speed bump. We kind of have to get over to be able to say like, Hey, right. I I did this. I send, and and not every unplanned pregnancy is, 
um, premarital. Sometimes right. it's within marriage, mm-hmm. you know, and they already have three kids and they don't want another one. Um, so just being able to talk about it is something that we need to, to kind of make the norm, I For guess. For sure. I agree. A lot of churches and, don't like yeah. talking about it. I want to tell you about our next sponsor, and that is my friend Lauren Ashley Gilmore, who recently became a published author. You may recognize her name because she was also a guest on this podcast uh, now a couple years ago, but she's incredible. And Lauren is someone that gathers wisdom from all over the place, whether that be podcasts, books, sermons, uh, mentors, trainings, casual comments from a friend. So what she did was she wanted to put those inspirational pieces of advice in one single place. And so she published a book and the title of it is, Oh, that's good. But I really have this urge to say it the way Lauren would say it with her little Southern cute Southern bell accent. She would say, Oh, that's good. <laughs> Lauren, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is probably what you say every time you hear one of those quotes that you now have in this book. I'm going to do it one more time. Cause I just kind of wish I had a Southern accent. Oh, that's good. Did, did I do it? Did I do it? So the purpose of this book is to encourage your heart as it has hers. And she's hoping that it is a storehouse of collected thoughts that will uplift your heart the way it has hers today and for years to come. Find the book on Amazon or at the link in show notes and follow Lauren Ashley Gilmore on Instagram. Yeah. And even in the case of if it was a pregnancy that was a result of sexual abuse, I mean, I, I know someone that that is her story and she had that child and I, admire that so much because, you know, the truth is that a wrong doesn't heal another wrong. It doesn't make that go away. It doesn't help you heal. It's, it's not going to, you know, make anything easier. Um, in fact, it'll just probably make it harder. Um, and so I, I agree with you 1000% that the church needs to be having these conversations. Pastors need to be saying that even from the pulpit, because also think about how many young girls, whether they are high school or college age or adolescents, um, young adults are actually sitting in those pews or in those um, aisles, pregnant right then, trying to make a choice about what to do. Like literally going to church, looking for an answer, praying for God to like, show me what I should do. You know, the yep. the crazy things that we pray when we're trying to get out of a situation where it's like, yeah. hey, his word already said this. It's pretty clear. But when you're in that spot, you're like, you know, literally looking for any sort of sign that, that you, that, that there's confidence in this direction or that direction. If they could hear him say, they could hear someone actually preach that, um, what you just said, that the baby's already there. Like if you are in that spot, there's grace for you. There's forgiveness for you. Please come to us, talk to us. We will pray with you. We will support you. We will literally form an army around you. Like you have done with the women that you help And we will show you that there is a way forward. There is hope for you. You do not need to despair. You do not need to deal with this alone, which is, I think, where most people are. They're just, they're alone and they have no support. Or they think they're alone. They might not be like, they just think that they're alone. I think something that was really eye-opening for me and people like, why are you so hard on the church? Like, well, a lot of churches here, especially in Colorado, don't talk about this issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And I learned that the abortion numbers in the church are the same as outside the church. And that's huge. And you think, what are we doing wrong? I mean, I I think it's a plethora of things. I think it's um, not talking about it. I think it's not having resources. I think it's um, some, some churches might shame those women. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't think it's any one specific thing. Mm -hmm. I think the the big overarching thing is probably not talking about it enough. Um, But abortion numbers being the same inside the church as outside the church is 
a huge wake up call. Um, and that's when like, I think some pastors, you know, don't necessarily, because at the end of the day, a lot of pastors are men and people don't don't quite know how to approach it. You don't want to offend somebody who has had one. Mm -hmm. Um, and you also want to say the right things for somebody who might find themselves pregnant in your congregation that day. Um, and, and one thing that pastors do wrong and I'm not a pastor, so I'm not trying to lecture them by any means, but a lot of times they'll say, you know, next Sunday or this Sunday, we'll, we're going to talk about abortion on this day. And then all of the girls who either have had one or might find themselves pregnant, don't go that day. Mm. It needs to be something that you kind of just bring up consistently and even spontaneously. And whether it's a whole sermon or just touching on it a little bit in multiple sermons, Mm. um, it needs to be where people don't necessarily know it's going to come up. I'm not saying don't plan things around it. You can obviously do that as well. Um, but I think a lot of times I, I see pastors saying, you know, we're going to talk about this and then. Yeah. Like sanctity of life Sunday. Like, you know, like, well, someone who's either like contemplating abortion or has had one isn't going to be for life or yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All of those things. Um, so I think that that's just really shocking to me and I'm sure it's going to be shocking to a lot of your listeners to find out that the abortion numbers in the church are the same as outside the church. And and we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're probably really good at preaching. Uh, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe some are not, but I think like, you know, the average, um, evangelical conservative, like Christian church is probably preaching a lot on abstinence and sex and marriage, but perhaps not, um, what do you do? Like once you are in, once you have sinned and find yourself in a, um, relationship where you are sexually active and you might find yourself pregnant, like, what do you, like, why are we not talking about that? You know, I mean, like just practical, like, I I think that, I think I know why the answer is because they're afraid that if they say, if you find yourself in that, that people are going to go do it. You yeah. know what I mean? But it's like no, the reality. Yeah. You're, you're giving them the idea, but I'm sorry. Yeah. The idea doesn't come from you. The idea comes from their own minds and hearts and bodies and their own sinful nature. So they don't need your help to ideate going and having sex with their boyfriend. That's already in their mind. So right. you need to help them. Um, you, you need to let them know that if they find themselves in that position, they do not have to end the life of their child in order to be okay, to live a full, rich, happy life, to be successful, to go to college, any of those things. Um, and I just, uh, you, you always share such great content that is just like debunking all those lies and like basically popping all the bubbles saying, look, you know, this isn't true. Look at this woman, look at this person, look how this woman who was abortion minded and changed her mind. Like she, here she is with her one-year-old or her whatever, you know? And I, I think that that seeing it almost like people need to actually see it to believe that it's possible. Yeah. Well, and I think people need to know that the church will be there for them. Yeah. You know, we will be there for you. We have resources. We'll help support you. You know, whatever the issue is, you know, whether it's housing, whether it's this or that, we will come and be the hands and feet of Jesus for you. We'll gather around you. We will love and support you and your baby. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's like you said, we're not condoning it or giving permission. Yeah. But when I was pregnant, the, the sin part was already gone. Like I had already done that. I can't take yeah. that back, but do I go and do, uh, like how, commit a second sin? Yeah. Do I go and sin again? Do I go and fix that sin with, uh, another sin? No, right. right. That's right. not how, that's not how things should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if I had known there was, I mean, obviously I had the support of my parents, but if I had known that there was this, you know, support behind me and that the church was really behind me, I think I would have felt, 
a lot more confident in my decision and not so uneasy and nervous. Um, and eventually I, you know, came to terms with everything and was totally confident at the end of the day. But I think that's something that everybody needs to know. Like the church needs Mm -hmm. to actually be there for these women. Yeah. Totally agree. They pr- um, a lot of them already feel that guilt and shame when they find out they're pregnant, right. they already feel that they don't need you to yeah. add to it. I assure you every possible emotion oh, that there sure. is out there is going through their head. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have heard, I think I've heard statistics that our generation, or I don't know what gener- what's the one behind us. I'm not sure I generation or something, but that they are less, um, that their like perception of abortion is, is more negative than previous generations. Is that true? Have you seen stats on that? Because of the, the proliferation of information basically about an education yeah. abortion. Do you mean Gen Z? Is there Gen Maybe. I? I don't know if I knew about Gen I. <laughs> I. I is like my, our kids, like, oh. like, yeah, or you're right. Z is after us. And then I, I think they're calling it I generation. The last I checked. But... One? Yeah. So I think, um, or Gen like Z I, that that's what, that's the one that I'm thinking of. Yes. Yeah. So, um, it, and it depends because statistics, just like science can be skewed to mm-hmm. whatever you want them to say. Yeah. Um, so Planned Parenthood says one thing and then the pro-life movement says another thing, but we are in this generation and this era of information and you can find information a lot easier than you could previously. A lot of times people just knew about, Planned Parenthood and that's all they knew. And that's where they went. And that's the name that pops in your head and they don't have, you know, a little computer in their hand on their phone. Um, but now they can look things up and whether it's, um, figuring out how the abortion performed or what stage your baby's in, or if I'm five weeks pregnant, what does that mean? You know, there's those, what to expect when you're expecting, there's an app, there's a website, there's books. I mean, there's so much information out there that's easily found. Mm -hmm. Um, and the younger generations pride themselves on, caring. And a lot of times, even if they are more liberal leaning, they, they do feel with a lot of their emotions. Um, so I think they sometimes sympathize with the woman, but they sometimes also are like, but Hey, this is a life too. And we do see even not just in the pro-life movement, but, um, supposedly there was a study that said Gen Z is one of the most conservative generations, which is kind of, you're like, huh, like Mm -hmm. that doesn't make any sense, but they, with a lot of what they believe, they are kind of conservative in their beliefs, um, even though they don't know how to translate that into voting or politics. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do see a lot of young people who are like, oh my gosh, like I had no idea. And and that's why the abortion industry is lying to them. That's why you see in sex that they don't fully tell you the truth, or they're trying to push, push you to become promiscuous um, so that they can get you in the doors of Planned Parenthood and become the sex expert in your right. life. Handing 10 um, year olds condoms like they are now in Chicago schools. 10 year olds, Yeah, 10 year olds. Can you Unlike. believe it? I mean, my son is 13. And if anybody gave him a condom, I would, I, I don't even want to tell you what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> you would be in jail. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's unreal what they're doing with our kids. And they, there's actually a former abortionist, um, she said that their goal and that where I got the word sexpert, their goal was to become the sexpert in young people's lives so that they would come to Planned Parenthood or to the abortionist for the information and not to their parents. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to get girls in the door through sex education on low dose birth control that they knew would ultimately fail and have them have three abortions by the time they were in their early twenties. Oh now, how gosh. is that for a woman that your, your goal is to get them to have an abortion, not just be there for them when they become pregnant and pretend you care and say, Hey, we want to help you out. But your goal 
is to get them to have three abortions. And there are former abortionists who will say, this is what happened when I worked for this organization. And ultimately they became pro-life and that's why they're speaking out about it. But that's a scary thing to think when you're a mom and you're like, Hey, do I send my kids to sex ed? Everybody else is doing it. Mm -hmm. A lot of times you need to really, if you're going to send them, you need to know what they're teaching in there. I know in Colorado, um, or at least in our school district, when they had sex ed, they don't tell the parents what's in there. You don't, we didn't get to see the curriculum prior. So I was like, uh, no, you guys are not going to teach my kids anything. If I'm not allowed to see it, my child, you weren't allowed. Mm -mm. They wouldn't see it. Yeah. Like to review the curriculum before. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you're just saying like, this is, this is a penis and this is a vagina, you know, that's, yeah, you know, fine. biology 101. But if you're saying this is how you have an abortion or this is, you know, there, a lot of times we see that they're showing soft porn or pornographic right. images basically. Oh and then they're not even separating the boys and girls anymore. And they're making kids more comfortable with it. Yeah. Normalizing it. Yeah. Get them sexually active. And of course they won't oh admit that. Um, but what just makes interesting me is there's multiple studies. A lot of them are in the UK, um, because Planned Parenthood pretty much owns America, but don't get me started there. Mm. Um, there's a lot of studies that say that sex ed actually increases sex partners, increases, um, sexual exploration and increases the number of unplanned pregnancies. And Planned Parenthood knows that a lot of times Planned Parenthood is the writer of the curriculum, even if it's not under the name Planned Parenthood. It's under a different name, but Planned Parenthood has partnered with that organization because they know that parents' radars go up when they hear the words Planned Parenthood. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I forget what got me off on that little tangent wow. there. But sex education is 100% indoctrination, comprehensive yeah. sex education. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It really does come at them from all angles. And it's um, like you said, even if you're homeschooled, you could go to target or the grocery store and something right. happens. I mean, you, you can't, you, you just always have to be on, you can't be a naive and thinking that your child is never going to be exposed to anything because they are going to be exposed to something. Right. Even right. us, you know, like you said, being raised the right way, being raised in a Christian household, being raised in church, knowing right from wrong. I still made stupid mistakes. I right. still, sinned. I still did things that I knew was wrong and just mm-hmm. did it anyway. Right. Um, I'm not proud of it, but I right. did it. And I, and I know that that happens. And, mm-hmm. and that's where we, and especially children, you know, like we as adults have the wherewithal to kind of understand the bigger picture of why that's wrong. And, you know, as a kid, you can't always comprehend the bigger picture um, as much as we want to think that our children can, they not always can they comprehend the bigger picture. So we have to really explain to them, teach them, nurture them, train them in the way they should go. Like the Bible says, and, and make sure that we're really covering all of our bases really. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, again, like I mentioned that I didn't have a, a strong grasp on that telling them the gospel, like yeah. what do you do when you, when you find yourself in a place you shouldn't have gone went down a path, you should have never started on mm-hmm. turn and repent and, and believe in Jesus as your savior, not your own actions, but turn and turn from that sin, repent and run back to him. Like you can always come back. And so just want to make that clear for anyone listening. If you are struggling with a decision like that, um, you do not have to live in the condemnation of your sin. You don't have to live in uh, slavery to fear or, um, you know, there's no, there's no scarlet letter in the kingdom. Like if you are forgiven, you are truly free indeed. And, um, and Jesus came that we would have life and have it to the full and have it abundantly. And so you don't have to live under, you know, 
in any certain way that the world says you do based on what you've done. Like that's that narrative and that lie is, um, is from the evil one. So just want to encourage anyone with that. As we come to the end of this uh, interview, I do want to let listeners know that there will be a bonus portion of this conversation that is available only inside our Patreon community. That is our community for women who love Kindled but want a little bit more. And inside that, once you join, you get bonus episodes every single Friday called Firestarters. Uh, So a a portion of this conversation will not air here on Kindled, the main podcast. It will actually just air inside Patreon. So if you would like access to that, you can join our Patreon community for $10 a month at patreon.com slash Kindled podcast. And there is a great community of about 60 women over there. We would love to have you. Uh, but okay. So as we draw to a close, Christine, I do want to ask you, what is your advice for the woman who is feeling inspired to get involved locally after this conversation? Where would you point her? Well, first and foremost, yeah. Sharing social media posts, um, can do something because I had, like I said earlier in the podcast, there was a woman who canceled her abortion appointment just because of a, what I thought was like a silly little social media post. Mm -hmm. Um, and now there's a little baby boy alive because of it. Who's almost one years old this fall. Um, so I think social media shouldn't be all that you do, but social media is a powerful tool. And a lot of times it's how we portray ourselves, but For me, when I started getting involved in the pro-life movement, I didn't really know what there was to do, what I wanted to do, where I fit in. And I think sometimes you have to kind of try a little bit of everything. Like, what is your heart? Is your heart to be one-on-one with these women, counsel these women? Um, There's pregnancy resource centers that you can volunteer with. A lot of times they'll train you and you can help counsel them. You can be there for them. You can have relationships with them, mentor them. Um, So I think volunteering with pregnancy resources, resource centers is a great option. I think um, if you're more um, inclined like me to sway toward politics, which isn't always fun. So there's not a ton of people who like that. Um, you can get involved with legislation and holding your political leaders accountable, holding, um, people accountable to the promises that they made if they are pro-life legislators, um, getting involved and saying, Hey, here's some pro-life things we can do. some laws that we don't have on the books. We need to get these on the books and and push them to do it. I mean, sometimes you can have a meeting with your state legislator. It's not like they're not these untouchable people. You just schedule a meeting with them. And I think on the local level, regardless of what happens, uh, with Roe coming up in the case that we have at the Supreme court coming up in, I believe it's supposed to be heard in October, November, um, regardless of what happens with Roe, a lot of times the states have a lot of power and that's where we see a lot of legislation that needs to be passed because whether Roe is overturned or not overturned, ultimately the states still have power. Mm -hmm. And so we need to hold those people accountable. Um, You can do things like I do on social media. You can do baby registries for women partner with pregnancy resource centers. I mean, there's really so many things you could do. You can go pray outside of Planned Parenthood. Um, You don't have to have money to do all of these things. Maybe you can't donate to a pregnancy resource center, but you can share your time. Maybe you can't um, donate to the baby registry, but maybe you see me post it or another organization who does something similar. You can share it to your story so other people can see it and maybe they have resources. Yeah. Um, you can go out, like I said, go outside of Planned Parenthood and pray. There's so many things that you can do and you don't always know 
what you're going to like the most or where you fit in or what resonates with you until you've kind of tried them. So I always encourage people to try a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're a student, high school, college, you can start a students for life club, which is absolutely, they do amazing work and really train you super, super well. Um, Even if you're not a student, they have pro-life future, which you can be involved in. I think something that everybody needs to do regardless of not doing anything else is they need to know what resources are available in their, their area, because you'd never know when you're going to come across a pregnant woman, whether it is at church might be in an elevator at the grocery store. You never know when you're going to meet somebody and say like, Oh my gosh, I wish I, I knew where I could send her or how I could help her. Or uh, my phone's dead. I can't look anything up right now. Like if you just know, like, Mm -hmm. Hey, there's these one, two, three, four, five pregnancy centers, who can help you that don't perform abortion, but do all of this other great work. If you know of resources of whether they need, like some people need housing because their boyfriend or husband is abusive and is going to kick her out. if She has the baby knowing those resources before you do anything else. I I think that's something that's so easy because we all have these little computers in our hand that are called phones. Mm -hmm. A lot of us have computers at home that we have access to all of this information. We need to know what's in our area and then go from there. I think that's yeah. one of the biggest thing is, is people who are pro-life not necessarily knowing what's available to these women because we need to be able to minister to them when we come across them. And you never, ever know when it, that's going to be. Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much. All Everything that we've talked about has just been so encouraging. I know that my audience is going to love this conversation and be encouraged and feel empowered to actually go and do something from this conversation. So I will make sure and grab all the resources that we mentioned from you, link it in the show notes so people can find it and um, click over real easily. So thank you. And then where can they find you online? Right now. So I'm still working on the media, uh, making Be Their Village an actual nonprofit and working on the website. And like, so I make it perfect for the launch. Um, but on my social media, Instagram is where I'm most active. I'm on Twitter and Facebook too, but I would say go to Instagram um, at Christine Yergin, Christine with a C Y E A R G I N is where you can find me. And then from there, you can find be their village Instagram page too. And that's where I post the baby registries. And that's where I do a lot of my, um, activism and I can share events. I can share ways that you can get involved. If you want to reach out to me and ask me any questions, I'm happy to answer any questions that anybody has literally just DM me and I'm happy to chat. Okay. Thank you so much, Christine. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Haley. You guys, thanks so much for listening today. As I mentioned before, if you want to catch the rest of Christine and I's interview, join us inside Patreon at patreon.com slash kindled podcast. You can find all the links to this episode in the show notes and at my website, kindledpodcast.com. All right. I will see you next Monday. Until then, have a great week.